Hey soccer friends, I just want to give a shout out to our partner, Team Player. They are changing the game on how you find the perfect soccer team for your player. Parents, this means no more endless social media scrolling to find information on teams. With Team Player, everything you need to know is just a few clicks away. It's simple, straightforward, and lets you find the best coach and team for your player without any of the usual headaches. And coaches, we all know how tough it can be to get your team noticed, but when you subscribe to one of Team Player's team plans, you instantly get access to set up an online team profile that allows you to reach more potential players and showcase what your team is all about. It's super easy and lets players and parents see why your team could be the right fit for them. And if you sign up using the promo code PITCH, you can try any team plan free for one month. So whether you're managing a team or searching for one, come on over to www.teamplayer.us. That is T-E-A-M-P-L-A-Y-R dot U-S. And come give Team Player a look. Hello and welcome to Chat by the Pitch. This is Ian Babcock, your host. This week, I interviewed Coach Gio with Villarreal, North Texas. This club has a great history to listen to as we listen to in this episode. I'm not going to say too much because I want you guys to capture all what he has to say and give him a chance to share his story. This is part one of a two-part episode with Villarreal, North Texas. Let's head to the pitch. My name is uh, Giovanni Vasquez. I go by Coach Gio, uh, and I'm with Villarreal North Texas, uh, co-founder and technical director. And uh, it's a club uh, for players, by players, and it started with the ball in a dream and three brothers. That's how it all began. Awesome. So now you and your brothers started Villarreal then um now what is how did that all come about i know that i know your two brothers play for uh, sidekicks and estevan played in mexico for a little bit so what's your soccer journey a little bit so people understand where you started so, with soccer yeah man we'll, we'll uh we'll go a little bit before we became via real um man i started playing since i was a kid man and in reality I, I i was born in california uh, in, in a neighborhood that wasn't the greatest. So my mom, what she did is she just signed me up in every single sport imaginable. And I just fell in love with the game. So it, it ended up just being a lifestyle for, for me. And it's, it's, it's funny that uh, people nowadays, I'm sure you hear it all the time, that they might think you're a little crazy and obsessed. People that don't understand uh, uh, soccer and the passion of it all, but that's the way they looked at you know, uh, my mother and I, a long time ago when the U.S. soccer wasn't as normal, you know, uh, now it's normal. It's a lot normal, more normal now. Um, you know, grew up playing in California, moved here at a young age. I was about 15 years old when I moved here. Um, and I just had to, I just had this hunger to score goals. That's the one thing that, that, that 
I just I always found a way to score goals. I, I went to Northwest High School here, uh, lived in Haslip. When I was a, a sophomore, uh, I, I started my first, uh, you know, real soccer journey. I went to Mexico and I started playing a little bit in Mexico myself, uh, third divisions and second divisions. I ended up training with uh, a team that Jorge Campos was building, uh, Delfines de Acapulco. Uh, from his hometown, Acapulco. And, you know, I, I spent time with Jorge Campos's family, um, got to, you know, have some pretty cool experiences, play against, you know, the first team from Toluca and Pachuca and, and get to see my, that was my first true professional experience. I was 16 years old. Um, I grabbed a backpack and a suitcase and I, I, I went out there by myself uh, at, 16 years old no 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 mommy no daddy <laughs> oh man it was one of the scariest thing for my mom for me to go out there and do that you know you might not be able to do that now but um it it, it was an experience of, of of its own just being able to go out there and after the first time i went out there um i just i fell in love i felt i felt hooked you know, going in the morning, doing two-a-days. In the morning, you do soccer on the beach, workouts. In the evening, you do soccer uh, uh, on the field. So, it, it, to me, I, I just fell in love. So, that was the dream to become a pro. Um, so, I just kept working at it. I came two or three more times. You know, I got invited to go to Pachuca to do trials. I did good. You know, for one thing or another, I ended up not staying there. And, and a few other Mex uh, clubs in Mexico, I also went to Tigres, uh, did the same thing. Had the opportunity to meet some pretty cool people and have some pretty cool experiences. Getting to see the way these professionals lived. Uh, and for me, I think when I came back to the States, more than the soccer that I learned while I was over there, because a lot of times um, you really don't know what you learn until much later, until you get a chance to step back and, and, and truly reflect. But while you're there, everything's going so fast and you're going through the experience that sometimes you, 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 you're not sure what that experience really taught you. And when, when looking back at it, it was the culture, the way they carried themselves on and off the field, the way they, these underprivileged kids appreciated the game and played every game like it was their last. Seeing players that were um, roaming the streets, playing pickup games for two or 300 pesos a, a, a game that were Mexican league champions, you know, 10 years prior that ended their career because of an injury or because some, some odd thing. So that was real eye-opening to me. So when I came back, it was a little bit easier for me, I would say, to play here in North Texas on much nicer fields, you know. I, I, realized, how I realized how spoiled I was, man. I, I, I did. That was eye-opening for me. And, and, you know, I came back. I worked. I played for Solar Academy. Uh, I played for solar before the academy. And then I was a part of the first year the academies ever existed, even though the academies don't exist anymore. Um, you know, I played with solar academy under Kevin Smith. I played for uh, Mike Yermovich and a few other sidekick legends, uh, 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 Roderick Scott at Texans. And, and, and I have, a you know, I played my 
whole high school career here. Um, to be honest with you, I thought I was going to go pro right out of high school, so I didn't even take high school 100% serious, to be honest with you. And, and all my trips to Mexico, um, when I decided not to stay in Mexico, uh, I'm here as a senior. I get full ride offers to multiple D1 universities around the, <laughs> and I don't have enough hours to graduate. So, um, you know, that was a little bit heartbreaking for me finally deciding, Hey, you know what? I'll take the college route. And when Tulsa, Appalachian state, Akron, San Diego state, um, you know, come knocking at my door ready to, at that time, I was a uh, top 100 players in the country. Um, there was only nine forwards, and I was one of them. Wow. Uh, yeah, yeah, man. I, I, I used to I – I was not bad, man. They taught me a few things in Mexico. Uh, I was at, – at 16, 17 years old, I was, you know, six foot, 180 pounds, and was just bigger and faster than everyone. Back, nowadays, that might not work. There's so <laughs> many small, talented, skilled players. You know, now it's it's – there's so many more teams and so many more skills trainers that, that, you know, being just an athlete isn't enough. Right. Um, after that, I kind of, I kind of had, I had to take a break, man, because um, I, I couldn't go to college. So I just came back, started hanging out locally. My brother was in high school at Northwest high school. And um, he was playing against Keller central. And I ran into an old coach. And that's how I got and, – and he said, man, what are you doing? I thought you were in Mexico somewhere. And uh, at the end of the day, he gave me my first coaching gig, and that's where it all began around uh, 2000 – I would say 2013, Christian's senior year in high school. And that's how I remember what year it was that I started coaching because it was Christian's senior year in high school. And uh, that's how I got brought on. Um, I got brought on to a, a, a pretty big club. Uh, here in, in North Texas, um, was there for a little while, was under a great director, um, and he kind of started fizzing out. Uh, that's when I met Coach Sam. Um, I had boys. I had 2002 boys. That's the only team that I had. And Christian had just picked up the 06 boys that sometimes you see showing up to skills. I mean, they were they were younger than Landon. Um, wow. When you, picked, when, when you picked them up, and now they're they're – pulling up driving it's like wow where has the time gone and those were our first and those were those were kind of where our guinea pigs man we we knew a lot about soccer but never coached you know and it was a big reality check when you go from one sideline to the other because it's one thing it's one thing to know the game and play the game and it's something totally different to have to coach it uh because believe it or not the best coaches touch every kid individually and make them understand what it is that the coach wants them to understand. And that sometimes takes time and understanding of what that kid truly needs. So 12, 13, 14 kids. I mean, that's a, that's, you end up doing a, a lot of work there. And, and so it, it, it was, it was, it was nice. Uh, I met Sam around that time. Sam had all girls. I had all boys. Um, that that director started fizzing out. 
And uh, th like uh, this was my first experience as coaching. <laughs> you mentioned Landon's <laughs> first experience as as a player, and this was my first experience as he as this director was fizzing out. Um, as you've got a taste of this nasty North Texas world, um, there was other directors fighting for 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 that role here in um, North Texas, here in, in the Keller area. Yes, I can only so imagine. Me, me being a team player, um, you know the first smooth talking salesman that comes over here that, that, that tells me, Hey, I, I was sent by the master club in Dallas. I I'm yes, sir. Whatever the team needs, that's what, you know, the big guys in, 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 in Dallas are telling you that, that we're going to take that direction, whatever the team needs. So, you know, I, I jumped on board naively and ignorantly, uh, not knowing this true North, North Texas culture. And, um, you know, I was him. With, I was with them for about a year. And, and, you know, he came after me, man. He tried to take all my top teams and, and try to, you know, give me, make, give me all rebuild teams, uh, all rebuild projects, um, you know, taking two classic league teams from me. So I ended up getting put in a place where I was between a sword and a hard place. Right. I was ready to quit. I was ready to quit, man. I tell you, I was ready to quit. I, I was like, man, I, I, I don't, I can do, I'm a bright young man. I can make more money doing something else elsewhere. I could be an electrician and, 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 and do better, you know? And to me, it was my passion to work with the, with the kids, with the, with the coach. I, I grew up, I dedicated my life to soccer. I have a degree in soccer from North right. Texas. So I, I wanted to put that to use, man. And for a few days I was bummed out and, you know, me and Christian kind of, kind of played with it. Hey, you know what, should we, what would we do? But it would be difficult for us just to put ourselves as, as just put on some, some random jerseys and just put a logo on us. And, you know, we, we thought about a million things and, 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 you know, I, I really truly considered stepping away after two or three years of coaching. Christian goes, hey, there's a coaching conference in Chicago. Um, let's get our mind off of things. Let's go. We've been talking about going, the United Coaches Conference um, that happens every year. Uh, I don't know if you've heard of it. If you haven't heard I of have. it, oh, great experience. Yeah, yeah, in January it happens every year. That that conference changed my life, man. And and um, so we, we went out there to the conference, you know, not in the best uh, state of mind, made awesome friends created great memories got to meet some ex-players got to take pictures with you know uh, um, kobe jones and alexi lalas and meet some legends that to me you know and getting towards the end of the weekend we we it was almost crazy it's almost like a storybook man uh we go to this we walk it's snowing in chicago and there, around the conference, there's nothing to eat. So we walk very far to this pizza place, this famous downtown Chicago pizza, whatever. <laughs> as, we're, as we're walking in, another guy that's walking in, he's a coach from Australia. And he looked like a coach. So we sit down and we start talking. Because of him, we end up staying there like five or six hours just talking. By the, by the, fourth, by the fourth hour, in come the Villarreal guys. 
We sit down. They look like they just came from the coach's convention. We came from the coach's convention, not talking about soccer. We started a relationship. By the very end of the night, he just says, hey, guys, I, I would love to meet with you guys tomorrow. Um, you know, the it's the last day of the conference. I got to run tomorrow evening. I would really love to talk to you guys. You know, we created a nice little bond. Had no idea what he wanted to talk about. Um, <laughs> you know, me and Christian are just like, yeah, whatever. It's me, Christian, and another buddy. Um, we sit down, we talk to him. And at the end of the day, it ended up being exactly what we needed. Um, it, it, it was the support. It was the same ideals, same morals, same everything lined up. And it was crazy that we were, it was our lifeline. So now we didn't have to be the pretty pink ponies from Fort Worth. Now, it, 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 at <laughs> least, we, and, and, and for me, the coach's education part was, was, was big. So that's kind of how we met Villarreal. Uh, we came back, to be honest with you, we thought um, we were going to have to make this move solo. And when we talked to him, we said, hey, right now at, at the club that we're at, there's about um, 12 teams that we have. We'll be honest with you. We don't know how many we're going to keep. You know, this is a big, big club here in, um, in, in the Metroplex. Uh, those big clubs carry big names. And they were 100% okay. They were like, we don't care. We want to meet good people in the community. We want to do it right. We want to give people the opportunity. You know, they explain to us how many how, that how many people they talk to to start academies that they that they don't do it with because you know the vibe doesn't add up. the 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 vision isn't the same. The end goal isn't the same. The culture isn't the same. So that that made us feel real comfortable. We we talked to Sam. Sam said, "I'm I'm getting ready to start my family." You guys, it, we have a small, very knit, close-knit group of coaches. Whatever we do, we do as a group. We yes. mentioned it to the – whatever we meant – we mentioned it to the families, and that's when I – it was eye-opening for me, Ian, to know that what I do for these families, what we do as coaches for these families, sometimes doesn't go unseen. And I was at a time where because of this other director and kind of how he was bullying me with his seniority, 20 years coaching, I'm two years, three years coaching. Um, he has the back, he, he's in another division that has 30 teams. I'm in a division that has 15 teams, 12 teams. So I was very insecure at the moment with my coaching ability and Whenever we bring this up to the parents and all the parents just say, to be honest with you, Gio, we don't even care about the logo on our shirt. We care about what um, you guys do for our families and whatever uniform, we don't even care what club it is. We'll, we'll go with you. To me, that was like, oh, wow, I am in the right place. You know, I do matter, uh, <laughs> it, you know, and, and after having those thoughts of, of not wanting to do this anymore, just to get away from the culture here the backstabbing the 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 you can't trust anyone people stealing your players um it's just like they should create a reality show you know they, could. Um, they really should of north texas parents you know and they would probably be bigger than the mob wives you know of, of hollywood mob wives i guarantee it like that's how much trauma there is 
you know, here in, 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 in North Texas. But that also gave me a light to think, hey, why am I really doing this? Why, why, why did I decide to pursue this? And it was for the kids, you know, it was for me, for all the, for all the little geos and Christians and Estebans that got the door closed on them. Because just the way I, I felt like I got the door closed on me, uh, Esteban and Christian both feel the same way. So now here we are trying to make sure that those doors are open for the kids that we know and for the kids that run into closed doors, help them keep banging on doors until one opens. Because that's the difference between the person that goes pro and the person that does not. And everyone talks about um, the very low possibility of making it pro. It's not the low possibility of making it pro because how many people are trying to go pro? It's the, the wear and tear of being able to withstand all the adversity, all the no's, and continue to go forward. Because I know a lot of players that are pro now that were not the best players in their youth club. You know, I played with, with guys that when they were here, they didn't win everything. And, and two, two of them specifically uh, played in Argentina, made big careers. One of them played for the Argentinian national team and played in the World Cup last, last World Cup. And then this past World Cup, one played for the Mexican national team. And, and these are players that grew up in the system that were, they were good, but all of North Texas was good. <laughs> it, it wasn't, right. it, it wasn't, it, it was that, that, being able to withstand the nose, being able to live alone. Anyone can go pro. But how low is your pride willing to take you for you to chase that dream? Because anyone can go to this small little country where you're barely getting paid enough to eat and live, and you can start somewhere, you know? But some people just don't want to go that far and struggle that much and sacrifice as much as it really takes. And, and that's just the reality to it. So whenever these doors are closed, help these kids get the right support and, and the right mindset to say, okay, you're lost. I'm going to go bang on another door. Okay, you're lost. I'm going to go bang on another door. And the guys that go pro are the guys that bang on those, willing to bang on those doors the longest. I mean, they're, they're, I can tell you stories about guys being nobodies and they're till they're 32. And then when they're 32, become some of the biggest players in their country. And I can name one for the Mexican national team. And it's, it's the fact that he just never stopped. They told him to go home and he said, nope, I'm not going home. So being, having that mental strength, right? We work on, on, agility we work on conditioning we work on our strengths uh we got to work on our mind and you know some you asked me these co these questions about Villarreal and for us that's why we tr try to create a a culture of just challenge and support and a place where you're going to get in trouble but then you're also going to get a pat on the back when a coach is going to yell at you when you mess up but then talk to you like a 10 year old kid and make you laugh because we want to make it comfortable. 
because we want to we want these kids to be creative and be able to be who they really are show us who you really are and and that's kind of where Villa Real all came from man just a few brothers trying to create what they needed this is what we needed right we need we needed coaches trying to help us um on on friday night skills as much as it is for skills it's also keeping kids out of trouble you know you get those 16 17 year old kids at the park <laughs> till nine o'clock working there's no time to go hang out there, there there isn't and now when high school season's over you'll see they'll start coming back and and to me i love it because a a, a bored kid is the one that gets in trouble not yes, the one that is, <laughs> yeah, and it's not the ones that are constantly active, constantly engaged, constantly have their 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 mind on something. Those aren't the trouble. The kids that end up with, with going down trouble paths. It's 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 the ones that are bored and need to find something to do. So um, that's a little bit about Viaria. I know that there's only what is it? There's six of you guys coaching, if I'm not mistaken. Mm -hmm. There's Erica. Then there's you and your brothers and Sam and Maddie. And mm -hmm. it says a lot. And I know that what you guys are trying to accomplish and how you guys interact and how you – I always talk about when I talk to other clubs, and I always kind of leave it in there, but when I talk about how you guys interact with Thea because Thea is part of your club, but you guys treat her as if she's one of the big kids even though she's technically five. <laughs> you don't treat her any different. You modify everything for her. And I, we look at that as parents. It's amazing how great you guys are with all the kids. It's like we all, I always find it humorous when you say to the kids when they're doing the skills in front of the backstop is that don't walk down the middle. If you get hit, I will laugh. And they all know this. And we get a good chuckle out of it as parents because we know that you care, but at the same time, you're trying to make them. There's humor involved at the same time. This is not all serious all the time but yeah of course man it's, for me it's... i i like to reflect and what i think would when i see thea when i see landon when i see some of the other little ones running around i think to myself what did i need when i was that age right landon needs something totally different than thea does Thea, we do need to keep her engaged for the, the time and touching the ball because of her age. At that age, right. we just need to add up touches, accumulate touches, accumulate touches, accumulate touches. For Landon, it's a little different. You need to be a little hard with him and push him and challenge him. And the way you push Landon is the challenge. So with Thea, I, I try to act like a five-year-old boy and with Landon, I try to act like a 10-year-old boy, you know? And, and to me, that helps me relate with them. And I think that's why they become so comfortable with us so quick because they were like, hey, he doesn't mind looking silly. He doesn't, you know, he, he can talk to us like, like we talk. He looks like an adult, but he, they, the kids know I'm not an adult. <laughs> <laughs> they, 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 you know, deep down inside, they know they can come talk to me. And, and right. that it's about creating that space, you know, making Thea want to come back because if I am constantly yelling at her or if I am making Landon uncomfortable, he's not going to be able to show who he is. Right. When you watch, right. I can watch someone play 
for 20 or 30 minutes and that will tell me a lot about who they are as a person. Whether the first time they touch the ball and they go at a person, oh, that person's going to be confrontational. The first time this person touches it and has a lot of space and looks negatively, put, put, passes it negatively, well, that's going to tell me about who, that, that's who they are. That's not just a style of play. You can see who a person is by the way they think in their everyday life, the way they, they eat their cereal to the way they eat their breakfast to their lunch and the way they play, the way their aggression is. And, and all of that is, is, is important when, when you're getting to read these kids, you know? <laughs> I yeah. love it. So now as, as your role, you're the technical director. So what does that entail for you within the club? So for us, there's a few of us, and the titles, we all have roles for our titles, but then we all do everything. Um, we're such a knit family that there's certain roles that should be another director's job that just are easier for me, I'll do them. Uh, but for me, the biggest part, I think, is is the relations with the families and making sure that everything's good, making sure the coaches are good, uh, the communication between the two, uh, the coaches' education is really my my biggest goal for the next year is to create an even though we're a small club, being able to create a full educational coaches program for the for the coaches that come in here. So not only do we build um, the kids, but we're building quality coaches with them. So for me, I think for these next, uh, for the ne besides all these other little tasks that, that, that normal directors do that are boring tasks, I think that's going to be my biggest project as a technical director coming up in uh, 2023. And now do you have support from Villarreal back in Spain with, with helping with that? Or is it just you have to figure it out on your own? Man, oh, the, the relationship that we, this is one of the reasons we, we chose Villarreal, um, you know, We've been reached out to to by multiple clubs to try to join, but the relationship that we have with Villarreal is so open that it's like talking to one of my brothers, you know, talking to another coach, talking to another director. Uh, we have two or three members over there that are at our disposal pool, our disposal for any questions. We do. Uh, people don't know, but we do weekly meetings. Uh, it's more like they're not even meetings. They're like classes, weekly classes for training um, for the coaches that is hosted by someone in Spain. Sometimes it'll be uh, a trainer. For the most part, it'll be our trainer. But sometimes we'll get the psychologist on there uh, because that's big. The the psychology in, 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 in Spain is big. So w we do a lot of courses. And as we're doing those courses, it's helping me build material for the upcoming coaches right so as we're i'm building that i'm creating my own work for the way i see it because we have to alter everything they give us they help us a lot but they can only help us or they can only teach us for the product that they're working with right, right? for for us the kids that we have here are very different to the kids they have there. So we do these classes and everything we do, the drill, they help us with drills, the warm-ups. Right now we're, we're going through a course on warm-ups. We're, we're going to redo where everyone's redoing their pregame warm-up and the way we warm up 
and that's what these few weeks have been doing. As soon as we're done with this subject, we'll go on to another subject and, and you know, just constantly grow and, and learn. And that's one of my favorite things about Be Real. It's, it's I, if you could see how they treat us when we go down there and hopefully uh, uh, one day we'll, we'll get the opportunity to take Landon down there. Um, it, it's like a family. The same culture that we have here it's the same culture that they have there. And that's one of the reasons why we clicked so well. Um, Villarreal, I don't know how much you know about Villarreal. Villarreal is the, the little sister, the little brother of Valencia. Yes. The same way Fort Worth is to Dallas. Um, you know, and, and so there were so many ways to relate. You know, the Villarreal always having to fight for, for players and having to prove themselves against huge city of, of Valencia. And for us, it's the same thing between Fort Worth and Dallas. You know, for, for the longest time, all the best quality players from Fort Worth go to Dallas to play. And a lot of these players, you can put them, all those players that go to play for different teams in Dallas, you can put them together in a team in Fort Worth and compete with them and beat them or, or at least compete with them, but we don't because there's nothing here. There's there, nothing has completely, you can say, has a stronghold of, of Fort Worth. There's a lot of people fighting for the power of Fort Worth, and 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 people might say that someone does, but no one has, no one has control of Fort Worth like Dallas, um, like they do in Dallas. So that relationship. With Villarreal, we had multiple things in common, you know, right. we, Fort Worth getting looked down upon by Big Brother or, or Big Sister the same way they did. So it was the, the, the culture, the communication, uh, how much they help us. They're constantly helping us, not just on the sports side of it, on the social media side of it. On the whenever we went down, me and Coach Maddie went down there. We were down there a few weeks ago. And they put us through classes. And the classes that stuck to us the most were the psychology ones. And the way they, they, they tried to approach these kids, the way we've been trying to learn how to do it, they're already doing it. So, so they're just trying to teach us their ways. <laughs> but no, yeah, we are very, very, very close-knit. We're going to have um, Coach Carlos come down in June, and, and he'll come hang out with us for about a week. You guys will do your summer camp that week in June? Yes, sir. At the last week of June. So you go ahead and block it out. I find it fascinating because being in North Texas, you have your big name clubs and you have a lot of smaller clubs. And the last club I just interviewed talked about the issue in Texas is that there's not enough time to develop players. When you when a, a big name club has seven teams in the same age group. And as a player trickles down to the seventh team, they're no longer getting the adequate coaching sometimes because that's the seventh team compared to the first to the third team. And some of these clubs, like these smaller clubs have said to me now, it's we don't want to be five, five teams in the same age bracket because you can't develop players. Then. And how do you, is that how you guys see? Because I know that some of the conversations we've had at Skills and I've had with Sam and is that you guys don't want to grow to be huge 
you guys want to grow organically and grow and be a positive influence in your community. And how are you guys going to do that then? And how are you guys going to grow so you guys can, quote, compete with the larger clubs? Because I know there is some um, things with the alphabet leagues and things like that. Um, yeah, so multiple parts to that. <laughs> um, Multifaceted I'm not question. sure. I'm, I, I, I'm not uh, sure who it is that you, that you spoke to, but I think he's right on point. Um, and I don't even think it's the seventh team. I think it's when it gets to the fourth and fifteen, and a lot of these clubs. Uh, when I played in, I played two thousand six to two thousand ten, and when I played here, when you played some of these bigger clubs, you saw their name and you were prepared. You were nervous. You had a little bit of oh wow, we're playing a, a big dog. And then ever since FC Dallas came in and started just growing so big, so fast, these other clubs that used to be known for quality, um, now the only way for them to be able to compete was just to start swallowing anyone that was willing to pay their dues. So that's how these fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh teams got created. And at the end of the day, it's teams that shouldn't be playing select, right? I think our rec system is dissolving because of how fast the sport is growing and we're missing a step. We're trying to go straight into that select and growing up, you went step by step. You went rec first, and 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 you you learned to pl play and have fun first, and then the kids that truly stood out really took that next level. And now it's getting to the point where kids have never played before, and they're going straight into a select team because there is a seventh level, and it's equivalent to I, I'm sure some of these rec teams could probably beat some of these seventh level six tier big big name clubs because we've all seen it yeah so i i i absolutely uh, agree with him i think that's a that's a big problem um we we don't want to be that we want to we've had chances to grow uh and and we don't because with fast growth comes problems we vet the coaches and the teams that want to join us very much um, to the point where it's annoying to Sam how much we really vet some of these people because if they don't fit into our culture, if they don't fit into what we're trying to do, and someone wearing our jersey is going to not represent us in the way that we want it to, now we become like everyone else. Now we become, hey, I'm, I accepted this coach that does not meet the standards because he was bringing me three teams. So that's, that would be us chasing a paycheck, you know? So we, we refuse to be that way. We like to build our teams from scratch. I don't think there's very many teams that we haven't built that we just, Hey, come on over. You don't, you, you don't see that because when you organically build, you end up building a strong foundation and a really closer knit community.
right? We've had opportunities to bring coaches that have four teams. And to us, a coach having four or five teams, that's a red flag. Someone's not getting the adequate attention, either one or two teams or all the teams, you know? And, you know, there's a lot of things that we look at when, when, when we are talking to other coaches or teams or, or players trying to join the family. So what is as your, far, uh-huh. sorry, I was going to no, ask, what's your, what's your coach to team ratio then? Uh, for the right. I mean, we have coach Esteban has one team. He's about to do a second team. I have two teams. Uh, the, the, the people that have the most teams are coach Sam and coach Maddie, because the little ones really start in, two or three age groups create one team. And then next thing you know, you have enough to start breaking off right. on those little ones. Right. But for, for the main part, these, the coaches that have select teams, we really want them to be maybe two select teams and then maybe an Academy team or, or so three teams max. But most right. of, I don't think we, we don't have a single coach with more than two teams right now. We try to balance it. We try to balance it at the end of the day. Um, it's, not just the hours that you see us right you know it's it's not just it, it's 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 practice plans it's it's a lot of time that we put into discussing discussing uh uh soccer football theories and and defenses and formations and each team as a coach you can't have a true style of play those coaches that are truly elite go by the team that they have only a very naive coach will go into a situation and say hey my team always plays this formation well do you have the players for that formation the same coach having two different teams me i have two different teams and they both play different styles of soccer because you have to adapt to the players that you have that takes time. That takes work. That could take a few hours a week just for you to see me three times a week for an hour and a half. You know, you, you, you would think, oh, Coach Gio only has, you know, five, six hours a week this week. No, it's for those five hours that you see us for that team, it's 10, 15 hours of work. No, I, I remember <laughs> that. I mean, when I coached like, with Landon's team, I was on the phone probably an hour a day talking to the other coach, if not more, going back and forth on things we found, players that are struggling with what, how can we help this player develop into this? And I know that I'm overbearing because I have ADHD and I get hyper-focused and this is my problem. Soccer right now is my hyper-focus and I've absolutely have fallen in love with it. And when I was coaching it, it became like all I thought about. It's like, how do you help this player get out of their shell? The lights are coming on, but how do you get the brain to match the feet? And that's the hard part. And these were the seven-year-olds. I can't imagine doing it for 12, you 12 and older. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, and, and the, the older you get, the more players you have. And, and, you know, it's just a lot. So we try to keep our coaches to a good work-life balance you know a lot of coaches have other uh, other jobs spouses uh, you know families kids all of it so it's important for a coach to be in a good mindset to be able to give these kids what they want what they need you know more than more than what they want what they need so that's why we try to we try to keep it uh you know 
a, a low number of, of, of teams just so they, each team can get what, what they need. But as far as growing organically, um, I mean, we've we, we got a few coaches that we're about to start training. We've got a few teams that we're working on. Uh, we're targeting the boys' side a little bit. Um, but, yeah, we're really not looking to make that big jump, at least not yet. Um, we, 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 every year, a big club contacts one of us or two clubs or three clubs, and we're not ready to give up that good fight yet because we understand that once we join those big clubs, our kids become a number. Yes. We don't want our kids to just be a number on that fifth, sixth team. You know, uh, I want every, all the coaches to know all the kids. I want to be able to come coach Thea's games and the girls not be scared of me and listen to me and so on and so forth, which you guys have seen me do because it's not the first time they see me because <laughs> right. they've seen me at skills because they, you know, everyone knows everyone. And, and even if growing organically is the goal, but even if we don't grow to be huge, I'm okay with that. Right. As long as we can continue to protect our kids, we're, we're working on, on, you know, getting a facility we're working on and it's going to be, it's not going to be huge. Nothing's going to be huge. At the end of the day, there's going to be a lot of, players that come and go but we want to create this environment this culture where kids feel safe to express themselves safe to grow and i think we've been doing that and being able to provide that when a lot of clubs don't is what's helping us grow you know um there's been a lot of players in these past years that come over here and come from a big club and they had terrible experiences and they were players that didn't play much because of the way they were being made fun of or feel or whatever and they come here and you put them in the right environment and now those are stars that are shining very bright and those players word of mouth is very valuable it's not a facebook post it's not right. a, it's, it's, it's a player that came over here ready to quit, wanting to play. Hey, you know what? I'm going to give Coach Gio, um, this is my last chance to play, finding the spark again and now becoming a big star. And one, one of the, the story I'm actually talking about, about to go to Spain and compete in a super group in Mallorca against Atletico Madrid because that's one of the projects that we're working on to create the pathway, the pathway to protect our kids. So, you know, we have a few things to grow. What we offer is a little bit different. We've been blessed to be under the Villarreal umbrella. And especially with everything they've done in the last few years uh, in the Champions League and the Europa League, you know, it's really helping the name come around. You know, the, we, we started in 2019, and in 2020, uh, Villarreal's first team started doing very well. So for a lot of people, uh, we were the first Villarreal team they seen around in, the, in Dallas because Villarreal, being honest, you know, it's not a club that, that has big supporters groups in, in the U.S. or anything like that. Right. You know, it's a, a little bit smaller club. And at the same time as we're creating our club, Villarreal starts doing well. And that only helps us, you know, grow a little bit. Yes, it gets the name, the name recognition comes out. 
So yes, sir. Gosh, I and I always gush over you guys because I like the small club mentality. I also like when Lennon played for Estevan last summer. We got to sit next. We got to sit, as the family. We sat next to the team. I don't know if it was just because the COVID protocols were still in place or the heat at that quick foot tournament they had at KYA. I remember Estevan telling Landon, look for the pass, look for the pass. And he was looking for the pass. And when he didn't pass at the right moment and the ball went out of play, Estevan pulled him over and told him, where should you have passed and why did you pass where you passed? And explained to him. And it wasn't, my big gripe is joystick coaching. And it was like, it was nice to see that he's not telling him to pass. It's telling him to think of passing. And it's like, you all do that. It's not, I'm just, I can just give that example because that's the time I saw it in a game situation. And it's nice to see that you guys all have the same coaching philosophy through the, through, through the club. You guys all have the same, like you said, you guys have the same, you, you struggle because of bringing new coaches in because you guys all do have the same philosophy when it comes to coaching. It's not joystick coaching. It is letting them make the mistake and then you telling them how to correct the mistake and moving forward. And how do you guys, in my brain, continue that mentality? I know that with your brothers it's easy because you guys all coach the same. And Maddie and Sam, I don't know much about Erica, but how do you guys are doing, continue coaching that philosophy as you guys bring people in? Well, for us, for me, you know, I, I it, when I speak, I speak for myself. Um, I wasn't the one that was going to listen when you said, hey, the stove is hot. <laughs> I might I, I might not go put my hand on it, but I'm going to go find a napkin or a plastic. I'm going to find out if that thing is really hot. And until I find out if it's hot, it doesn't matter what you say. So we want to skip that whole you say process. And let's skip right to, and let's go right to the finding out part. You know, <laughs> right. let, 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 let's skip this few minutes of, of wondering why it's hot. No, let's go over there. And right now I'm going to grab your hand and I'm going to go explain to you why it's hot. And that's kind of why, and you saw it with kids but it also works with adults. It's really just a matter of how you say things, making a person feel, a kid feel, an adult feel that they had the thought. You just planted the seed. You guided them to find the answer. Now they know the way to the answer instead of just giving them the answer. Well, they, they need they need all that information in between and and so i mean we just test each other challenge each other and 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 learn you guys just don't see all the you know stuff behind the scenes all the learning <laughs> yeah, all the behind like the behind the curtain yeah. information going on and sharing and growing and i think i've seen it at the big clubs the big clubs do have constant education but i it's amazing to hear that you guys have a weekly call with Villarreal. I, I did not know that was going on. The classes, and I find that very fascinating. Even even though they're in Spain, they're still including you part of the conversation. I know that 
one of the largest clubs in the Metroplex does this, but that is because it's an organization that's replicated throughout 30 other two, 30, 32 other organizations that do the same thing. But it's because it is a machine based on the European model of the professional level all the way down through the academy level. And mm-hmm. it's great to hear, even though you guys are a branch of them here in the United States, they still include you in all that. And that's it's amazing because um, that helps with the education side. So, yeah, and more and more than and more than them giving us the answers the same way you saw landing get guided by Esteban. It's literally the same way they're guiding us. They don't give us the answer for anything. They help. They they help us get to the conclusion or whatever result it is that we're looking for, but it, they don't give us the answer. Um, and right now, I'm actually working on a Google Drive with a bunch of stuff that they've been uploading: information, um, practices, warm up, game videos, links that aren't open to the public. You know, just a massive just database of information that's going to be open for our coaches and do something, you know, like you mentioned that the big club is that they, the big clubs do. We're going to do the same thing just at a smaller scale. The only difference is um, the information that you see on, on that drive in that database you can ask the person that loaded it directly because you know who it is. <laughs> it's not a it's not a random person from another country or someone you don't know. So you go on there, you use the information, and if you have questions about it, you directly ask the person that loaded it. And 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 a lot of times they're at, to our disposal. If I call right somebody right now, and um, they'll answer me. You know, they'll, they'll answer me just to answer any random question about a warm up, about a player getting hurt. Um, you know, they do little things for us that we don't even really mention. Um, last year, we had a player get hurt, Julia. She tore something in her knee. I don't remember what muscle it was, but she tore her knee. And um, one day I'm talk, having a conversation with, with, um, someone from Spain, a few days later, uh, the star from the women's first team sends her a message privately, you know, giving her words of encouragement. And that's not something that we bragged about openly, <laughs> but, the, but th- those are, those are the little things that they do for us. The same thing. Um, you've probably seen them at skills. Matt tore, he broke his shin. And um, one day he received a FaceTime call from Fernino that's on the U-20 Spanish national team, that's on the Villarreal first team right now. At the time, he wasn't. At the time, he wasn't, but he's on the first team right now and spoke to him for about 20 or 30 minutes about what he had to do to, you know, what what Fernino had to do in his recovery. So the club does little things for us that makes us feel so welcome that, you know, we don't feel like we need to go beat our chests around for everyone to to see everything we do. I think it's important for the people that we care about to see how we function. Because a lot of times when you, we realize that, and we're not a great recruiting club, you know, sometimes when you do too much recruiting, you bring in bad apples. 
And for uh, and for us, the word of mouth has been more successful than anything else. That that tends to be the best avenue because that means people that are actually listening and talking. It was they want they want what's best. Um, going back to something else I've heard recently is that parents spend more time researching their kids' college education and which is just as important, but they spend two minutes researching their kids' soccer, the soccer club, and how the club has progressed or grown or asked questions. And this goes back to why I'm doing this. It's This is the place where we can ask questions and have the safe place to ask questions. So as, a, as someone that is looking at your club, what questions do you would advise them to ask you guys or any club that they're looking at then to get an answer out that will be a positive change or something that they might not think about because the lack of knowledge like me. <laughs> well, my suggestion, you know, what, what I would say is first off, be 100% honest with the coach with your previous situation and then, you know, ask him, put him in that situation to see how he would react. Be like, hey, let's say my kid is is not performing at, at par. Let's say my kid makes a few mistakes. And it, it, how are you going to react? What is your protocol to, to for a kid that starts falling behind if that's the way you feel like your kid was in the previous team? You know, um, ask the hard questions. Like me, it does not bother me. Any coach that I've met um, don't mind those questions, uh, especially the ones that grew up in this system. What they don't understand is me, Coach Estevan, Coach Christian, Coach Sam, Coach Maddie, Coach Erica, we all played in North Texas. So we all live the same lives these kids are living right now, exact same. So we understand what it is to be in their shoes or in your shoes. So ask the questions, Hey, in this situation, how would you approach it? You know, and, and, and you'll get different answers and, and, and most coaches will be honest with you. A few won't, but I think for the most part, coaches will be honest with you when you ask them, Hey, with Mike, most, most times your kid won't be the one that's fallen off, but you can create scenarios just to see what their reply is. Hey, is he going to take the time? Is he going to bench him? Hey, is it is it winning over development? That's a good question. Yes, that's, hey, that's you, one of the most common ones, I think, right now. But but instead of asking the coach, is it winning over development? Hey, you're in you're in a in a tough game. It's a regular league game. It's for three points. My kid hasn't played. It's the last twenty minutes of the game. What are you going to do? And they'll give you the they'll give you the answer of its winning over development without you having to ask. If you ask if it's willing over development, they're gonna tell you it's gonna be development over winning. Because that's for that question that's always asked, that's the preloaded answer that's always given. Right. That's the so, so answer. Find a way to ask that same question without using those words. And then you have to be the judge of that, how, how honest you think he was being. But if you straight up ask, they're always going to tell you what they're going to, what, what you want to hear, you know, create a scenario, create a situation, um, something realistic, and then see what he answers you. See what he tells you, see what his point of view is or his perspective. 
Awesome. Yeah, I like that. I, I, I forget, it's, it's smarter to ask a scenario versus the straight up question. Because um, I always ask, my question I always ask a coach is if Landon asks to do a rainbow, if Landon does a rainbow during the middle of a game, are you going to be mad at him? And if they give me an answer of, no, I want him to be doing, he shouldn't be doing that in a game, to me, it's already a no for that coach. And the reasoning why is I feel like it's stifling his creativity. There's a time and place to do it. And there's a story behind why I always ask that now. And I have interviewed a coach and he goes, no, he should not be doing fancy tricks like that in a game. Then I went to another coach and he goes, I don't allow it. But if he does it at the wrong time, he's going to get in trouble. <laughs> and I go, where's well, the coach I want? Yeah, I mean, that, that's, a, that's a good answer. I mean, if you're stuck in a corner, have nowhere else to go, you have to get creative. Right. So you can't say it never, you know, because there's situations where that might be what you need to do. But if you're, do, you're up 8-0 and now you're just doing it to clown, hey, you should, you're getting in trouble. <laughs> right. And it's like he was seven. I mean, it, we were playing indoor at, he was six, six or seven. And another coach challenged him to do it. And... He spent two hours every day, and by the end of the week, he could do it every time consistently, bringing it from doing the rainbow correctly. And I said, that's the only way I'll be able to do it in the game. Then he looks at me. We're up. I don't remember. It was by a lot, and he just wanted to try it. And I go, go ahead and do it, just not in front of the goal. And sure enough, he did it uh, to the right of the goal. I'll never forget it, but he did it. But the coach that challenged him to do it, was over the moon that he like, and then the whole summer, the whole team trying to replicate Landon's creativity. That's awesome. And it's, and that's the whole point of it. It's like, he's, you want that. And it's, and I've been caught myself in the opposite side of that, telling him, don't try to do a bicycle kick in the middle of a game. You don't know how to do it yet. And, and I get told like, no, let him try it. Like, let him fail. Let him learn how to do it. It's something that he wants to try. Let him learn to do it. Like you're right, I'm I'm wrong, and because I don't want to stifle his creativity or growth by any means. And I think as parents, we have to look at that. And any other advice would you give parents then on things like that? Like you said, give a scenario. That was that's the only scenario I ever give, but I like the one about twenty minutes. Now, do you, as a parent, this is a question that you kind of answered with the one about development over um, winning. But how do you view, how does the club and how do you guys coach as coaches then playing time? Is playing time somewhat equal until a certain age? Or do you guys try to play, because subbing's unlimited right now to a certain age. How do you guys handle that? Um, so the minutes you play is equal to the work you put in. I mean, every, at this, especially at the younger level, it's never going to be even. But the younger they are, the more of an opportunity that you have to give them to show you they can do it. And when they get a little bit older, you just have to always give them a chance to show you they can do it. And if they don't do it, a lot of times they understand why they came out. It's when you don't give them a chance, right? And when I mean a chance... I'm not talking about literally one chance. I'm talking about of a few mistakes and allowing them to see how they react to those mistakes. Because it's not about the mistakes. You hear a lot of coaches say that. It's not about the mistakes. 
It's how you react to it. Everyone's going to lose the ball. Nobody's perfect. But if you lose the ball, are you going to take accountability? Are you going to go try to get it back or not? Um, but at the younger ages, it gets, you know, pretty even as they get older, they have to earn it, man. Um, cause a lot of kids only go to practice when practice on practice days. And there's kids that are, that are, that are obsessed, right? Kids like Landon that are working hard that when they're 15 years old, their goal is to go to college or go pro. And I don't think it's fair when they get to the older, especially into high school, to continue to give uh, equal playing time for people that aren't putting in the same amount of work, so it 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 varies, man. I'm I'm a, I'm a little biased because I, I I enjoy competing. I've always been a competitor. I like to win and develop at the same time. But if you don't show up to practice, it, that's an easy one for me. Soccer is very easy, man. Soccer is so easy. You show up and you work hard. You're not, you, there's no possible way for you to be that bad. So if you are not playing, it's because you're not putting in the effort. And that's the way I look at it because that's the way it was for us. At one point, I was the worst kid on a roster. At one point, Esteban was the worst kid on a roster. At one point, Christian was the worst kid. At one point, Sam, and we had to work for it. So the, the empathy part, I think if you go – equal time and you show the empathy i think you're giving them a crutch i don't think you're helping them okay i think they need to understand i mean i have older kids okay let me put that into context i have kids that are all in high school already so um for for the kids that are a little bit older you know it, it's the, the playing time if you give them playing time they don't deserve they're going to think they deserve it. They're going to think they earned it. And they're going to think that's the way it should be all the time. Yeah. And, and I, you know, as you get older, I think you should earn every, every bit of your playing time. So, yeah, I mean, when they're younger, I think it's important they get enough time to um, develop on the field, make their mistakes, because everybody makes mistakes, especially if they're young. Um, but when they get older, it's, it's, I think it's super important that you, you get what you deserve. Right. You know, no, I, I, I can stand behind a coach that says that. As we close on this episode of Chat by the Pitch with Villarreal with Coach Gio, I hope you listen to his heartfelt story of how he started the club, his journey as a player, and the direction they're hoping to move. As we get ready for episode next week with part two of Villarreal, with Coach Gio. I hope you take time to ponder what he said this week and enjoy it. Until next week.